Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is from the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. My dear friends in Christ, it was the year 70, 70 AD. The Roman armies had surrounded Jerusalem now for quite some time. It wasn't good in the city. It had been for a while that there were tunnels that were able to be going out of the city, that things could go out and things could come in, the food could come in, because Rome had Jerusalem completely under siege. There was no way to get supplies to the city. It got so bad that even the words of Jesus here that, alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days came true in a very real sense, Because those very women who began to starve realized that, well, I might be able to have another child. And they were forced to eat their own. Can't imagine being caught up in such a situation as that, that you are devolved into cannibalism, even of your own child. But thus it was in Jerusalem in that year. Everything was bad. In the city, pestilence and plague raged on along with the famine. Nothing was good. This came about because, well, the Jews had rebelled again. We kind of give a hard time to Pilate for crucifying Jesus, but to be fair, Caesar had told him that, well, he had two rebellions of the Jews on his hands, and if there had been a third, he would have been exiled. And so to quell the rebellion that was starting to form around Jesus, Pilate crucified the king of kings. It just so happened that not long after that, there was that third rebellion. Pontius Pilate was taken into exile and is never heard from again. But the rebellions didn't stop with Pontius Pilate. It was according to the law of God that there were to be no Gentile ruler over Israel. Yet not only did the Romans come in and put a governor in the place of the king, But they also had appointed a half-breed, Samaritan, Gentile, Jew kind of person in Herod and all of his family to rule over the different areas of Israel. Israel chafed under the Roman rule, and so they led rebellion over rebellion over rebellion until finally Rome had had enough. You see, Israel and Jerusalem were a strategic point in the entire world. Everyone trying to get from Europe down to Africa or Europe to Asia or Asia to Africa had to go through Jerusalem. It was a major point. Everyone had to be there. It was a place to get supplies as you went on your journey. And Rome said, enough of the rebellions. We want peace. They called it the Pax Romana. The Roman peace. And so Rome, seeking peace from these Jews, resolved to destroy them. And so they did. In the year 70, the Romans finally broke the walls of Jerusalem, made their way into the city, burned every building they could, and cast down every stone of the temple from one another. The only thing that still remains of that temple today, at least we think so, is one small wall, the Western Wall, or the Wailing Wall, we call it. And that might be from the temple, it might not be, we're not exactly sure, but everybody treats it as it is. 
The temple is no more. War had come on Israel. Plague, famine, pestilence, everything that Jesus had finally prophesied had come to pass. You have to remember, when Jesus ascended into heaven, all of the rest of this began. When he ascended into heaven, people began to wait his return, and they saw, well, there's wars, and there's rumors of wars, there's plague, there's pestilence, there's terrors, and signs from the heavens. We're starting to be persecuted, we're going to the synagogues, we're going into prison, we're giving witness to kings and governors. Jesus, come. But if you read his words, it would happen that Jerusalem would have to be destroyed before we could even begin to look for that day. So some close to 40 years after the ascension, that day finally came for Jerusalem and his prophecy was fulfilled. Not one stone of Jerusalem stood on top of another. The people taken into exile and spread out over all of the land. Thus we find still Jewish enclaves in Europe today and around in the Middle East and yes, even down into Africa for they were spread out. It's what we call the Great Diaspora. Unfortunately, that was the end of Jerusalem. Not that there's anything special about a city, but, well, it still was pretty. After all, the disciples of Jesus are talking around him, looking at all of the wonderfulness of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and with offerings. And yet even with this, It still wasn't as pretty as the temple that Solomon made. That Solomon's temple was beautiful. It was set there. It was gorgeous. And when the Babylonians came in, they stripped all the gold. They stripped all of the riches out of the temple and took it off out into the world. When the Jews were finally allowed to return to Jerusalem, they set about to rebuild the temple. And when they were done, they wept. For the beauty of that temple could not compete with Solomon. And then finally, when Herod was put into position, he said, you know what? Let's make it a better temple. And so he constructed a new one and adorned it with beautiful things just to make them happy. And still, it was nowhere near what Solomon had. So you can imagine as how wonderful it must have been under Herod. The history of that temple was far richer than anything that they could see with their eyes. So when it was destroyed... Everybody freaked out because now beauty was gone. And the hope that they had in a God who would save them had disappeared because it seemed as if God forsook them. And yet still, Jesus warns them, if they had ears to hear, they would have heard him say, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by the armies, know that its desolations come near. And let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the city depart. And let not those who are out in the country enter into it. If all the people of Israel had heard Jesus' words of warning, they would have been saved. As it is, the church remembered Jesus' words. And when they saw the the cities being surrounded by the Roman army, the church fled. Now, I think that some people stayed behind to take care of those who were going to be suffering. But the church, in terms of the necessity of its leadership, spread out. And it went out to places like Antioch 
And it went out to places like Thessalonica. And it went out to places like Athens and Rome. And the church began to spread throughout the world. The church remembered Jesus' words and his command, flee when you see the army surrounded. This is not an act of cowardice, but an act of obedience to their Savior. And in this, the church was not only spread across the face of the world, but it was saved from utter destruction. For the church's heart was in Jerusalem, as it always had been. That city of peace, that city of joy, that city where our Jesus laid down his life to save us from our sins. Jesus, here today on the second last Sunday of the church year, gives us many warnings. Look out, watch out, see the signs, understand them. Understand the world isn't going to understand the signs. I even think that maybe this perplexity, the nations in perplexity over the roaring of the sea and the waves, I kind of wonder if that maybe is being fulfilled even at this moment, where people are so freaked out about what global warming is doing to the world or climate change is doing to the world that they cannot focus on God, but instead focus on themselves. Regardless of what this is, how the nations react to it, the warning is there. The end is nigh. And I don't mean that as the guy, the hippie walking around in the 70s with his little sandwich board on and writing on it, the end is nigh. And I, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the end. Not a man-made end, but a God-ordained end to this horrible, sin-filled world. Now we can look around and we can see the beauty just of this church, not to mention the world. If you're awake early enough to see the sunrise, it was a gorgeous one this day. If you've been awake long enough to see the sunset, which, let's be honest, has become earlier and earlier, it was gorgeous last night too. We live in a beautiful world, and yet the beauty of this world is marred by the sin that we have put upon it as sinners. We have infected this world with depravity and despair. And so, this world must die. That which is sin-filled or sinful or touched by sin cannot bear up under the wrath of God in his day of judgment. God destroyed the earth once in a flood, and he promised never to do it again with water. And yet the day is coming when God will flood the earth with fire. And all that is here shall burn away, and only that which is pure shall remain. And that's you, my friends. You, having been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you, having been died for upon that cross, will be raised from the dead. And as the fire burns away the dross of this world, in that last day, you will still be found standing. You shall be like the three men standing in the fiery furnace that no matter how hot it gets, even though men who approach the fire should be destroyed by it, you will be found safe. For your Jesus, that fourth man found in the furnace, will be with you. My friends, the end is coming. Jesus makes this clear. But Jesus also says, you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. For some of you, that's probably a little bit more potent than for me. But I sometimes wonder, 
what that Jesus means by that. I think it is just that all of you shall continue to be in Christ. When you were washed, when you were destroyed in the water of your baptism, your Jesus redeemed every single part of you from your head to your feet, from your skin to the organ that is furthest inside of you, from your sin-filled nature to a new man in Christ, from a heart that despises God to heart, mind, soul, and strength that clings to him in love. You, my friends, were redeemed, every single part of you, and you shall stand on the last day when he comes again to judge the living and the dead. My friends, this day is a terrifying day for the world. Malachi tells us this. It is going to be a horrible day for the world. They do not understand. Just as they look at you and they do not understand the joy that you have and look because they do not see Jesus, so will they look at this world and its, and its decay and will not understand what Christ is doing. This world must grow darker still. We're not there yet. For this world, in all of its depravity, will be burned away. It will be destroyed. The world must grow darker until he returns. There are some Christians out there that teach that the world must get better in Christ. We must work to make this place a utopia before he truly can return forever. And that is false. That goes against what Jesus himself is saying here. My friends, the world is going to get darker. It is going to get worse. Whatever you think this world is holding on to that's gross and disgusting and dirty and sinful now, it gets worse. And that's good. Not only does it give you hope that your Jesus is coming soon, but it gives you the impetus to go out and spread the word of God to the people, to save them from the destruction that is coming. Do you not think that the church gathered in Jerusalem didn't warn people that it was happening? Flee for your lives, for Rome is coming. Well, no, no army has ever breached these walls, they would say. Except that's not even true. But they had a feeling that they were indestructible, for they thought they had God on their side. God is on their side. He redeemed them with his blood. And yet they have rejected him at every turn. So too the world. They are redeemed by the blood of Christ. And yet they reject that redemption. They turn from him. And thus they will find their way from fire into the fire of hell. But not so for you, my friends. The destruction is coming. And this is not a bad thing. For when the destruction finally comes upon this earth, there you shall see your Lord standing with his own two feet, two feet that you shall run to and cling to and hold to and praise God for. Because your Jesus is here, living and reigning with you into all eternity. Destruction is necessary, for new life grows out of destruction. Joy comes in the morning. This is what your Lord is telling you this day, especially as we approach this end of the church year, this time in which we begin to turn our eyes, especially toward that second coming of the Lord. 
And so we pray with the entire church on earth, as it has been since this year, even until today, until the very time that Jesus returns. Come, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.